Hi, this is Jewel D. Lane, and I am a choreographer, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 144 of Chasing Dreams. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters, to whom I am eternally grateful for their kindness and generosity. Thanks to all of you for supporting my mission to inspire, equip, and empower people to chase their dreams. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. So guys, it is June, which means it is Pride Month. And in honor and recognition of Pride Month, I am stoked to bring you today's guest. Please welcome Jewel Delane. Jewel is an American dancer, choreographer, filmmaker, and one of Dance Magazine's 25 to Watch. Most recently, Jewel was a featured dancer in NBC's Jesus Christ Superstar Live in Concert, which aired on Easter 2018. It starred John Legend, Brander Victor Dixon, and Sarah Bareilles. From October 2017 to March 2018, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater's second company, Ailey 2, toured Jewel's piece, Touch and Agree, around the world. And currently, dancing with Bessie Award-winning Camille A. Brown and dancers, Jewel's dance films, Just Another Day, How to Kill a Ghost, and When the Beat Drops, showcase his multi-talented choreographer's dynamism. He has taken some time out of his busy day of being a choreographer to come on the show and share his story. And I had such fun with it, guys. So without further ado, here it is. Jewel, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Uh, No complaints. Feeling good. Feeling rejuvenated. That's awesome. I mean, I would hope so after your performance in Jesus Christ Superstar in two months ago, I think, by the time this airs. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Thank I you so much. Thank you. I are you recovered from that? You know what? I don't think you can really recover from it because like you feel like you're still on a high because it was so exciting and so new for me. So I think I'm still like on a high with it and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, so this is this is where you are today. You you had an amazing high. You probably still riding it and have more in store for you. And I can't wait to talk about that, but let's go back to young Jewel. Okay. When you're trying to figure out what you're doing and, you know, you had severe anxiety as a child. Was that just people? Was that school? Was that life? I think it was just a a combination of everything. Cause when you're young, you're, you're trying to figure out the world. And I think for me, the anxiety was a combination of just being really nervous and not really knowing who I was. And, uh, it wasn't until I started to listen to a lot of music, 
watch a lot of shows and I got really involved in the arts. And that was the one thing that I knew that kind of broke that anxiety spell. And I tell people all the time, um, I had like anxiety like a normal team would have. But once you start to figure out what you like and what really drives you, um, then the anxiety kind of evaporates. Now, had you tried different things trying to overcome the anxiety or just were you a kid who's who did workshops and cooking classes and I don't yeah. know, stage and, and th- this was the one that worked or did you just luck out that dance was the first thing you tried and it was kismet? Well, my parents really, they really believed in anything that I wanted to do. So it kind of went from like taking karate and then I I told my mom I was going to be in the Olympics and, you know, she was just like, <laughs> what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. And it wasn't until I got to a performing arts high school is when I really started to kind of own like, wow, I really love the arts. Like, because I was always fascinated by it because I'm a child of the 80s. So everything was a song and a dance. Yes. And so, so that kind of drew me like, you know, people like uh, Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, you know, just learning all of the different dance moves on like, you know, the music videos. And that really pushed me to pursue it even further. So when I got into high school and I was surrounded by like minds, that's when everything was just like, whoa, this is what I want to do. This is like really cool. And like, this is the one thing that's like, I'm not thinking about being nervous anymore because when you're on the stage performing, it feels like you're home. Did you have support? Like your parents, they sound very supportive of you. Was were they supportive and being in that community of you going for something in dance in arts? Very much so. Uh, my mom was just kind of like, you know, I would drop you off to rehearsals, but she wasn't like a stage mom where she wanted to come and watch. She always said, you know what, I want to see the final product and I don't want to be a distraction. My father, um, he's very competitive, so he really didn't understand dance and theater and it wasn't until he saw me, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. So he made it a point to be the first one there, <laughs> all the shows, and the last one to leave. And he would always brag. And even if he didn't fully understand what was going on, he was just like, my son is really doing it and I'm really enjoying it. So they supported me on everything. And even if they didn't really understand, they knew that this was really making me happy. Well, that's impressive and, and awesome, to be honest, because sometimes parents... Or people around you, you know, people you surround yourself with can be discouraging or, you know, how can you make a living off of that? You're not going to survive or you need a day job or something like that. And I mean, a lot of people often get that. So for you to not is tremendous. Yeah, like it was a journey. Um, Not saying that everything was like perfect, but I think the one thing that they knew is that their son was doing something that really sparked his interest Mm -hmm. and they just took the time to really kind of learn, like, what is it that he wants to do? It was just more about just really communicating that with my parents. And there were times where they really didn't know what was going on. But, you know, that's just part of them supporting me. I think that's that's part of any growing up kind of thing, right? You just kind of have to explain oh, yeah. it to them at some point. Over and over and over <laughs> today. And, and sometimes you have to just really just show them, like, say, hey, look, this is what it is. <laughs> Now, you went on to get a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts with a focus in contemporary dance. And so was that intentional? Because you don't necessarily have to have an arts major 
to dance, mm. right? I mean, was that something you wanted for yourself? Well, I knew my senior year in high school, um, I wanted to get an education in contemporary dance because I felt like if I was going to venture off into this performing arts world, I wanted to really educate myself a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had talent, but I wanted to really push myself and just surround myself around people that were really doing it. And so, yeah, I got my BFA and, and yes, you can get your BFA in performing arts. And sometimes people go on to get like, you know, their masters too. And I'm actually proud that I went to North Carolina school of arts because that school really opened up a lot of doors for me. And it really uh, taught me the important importance of discipline. And I got to really discover so many things about the art form. Did you also discover that a love for choreography and not just dance? Absolutely. And I, I'm, the thing about school is that we had uh, composition classes. Mm. And what that entails is like it, it breaks down the different tools that are necessary for choreography. And at the time, um, my heart was really into performing, like, you know, just getting a job and choreography kind of came second nature. And it wasn't something that I was really pushing, not until I was uh, maybe like later on as I got older, just something that I wanted to bounce off of. Because when you're when you're a performing artist, you can be a performer, but you also have different tiers that you want to do, whether it's choreography, whether it's like um, administrative work. And I knew that choreography was one of those tears. And, and I just kind of reverted back to those tools that I learned when I was at North Carolina School of Arts. You've been using choreography in a lot of things, you know, with your background, you have been doing choreography, as I've learned that strips labels and shows humanity, as you've mm-hmm. said before. Mm-hmm. And so what is your inspiration for bringing that, that rawness to your work? Well, I have this one particular piece It's called How to Kill a Ghost. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, a relationship with this guy and it was really short lived and you would have thought we were together for like four years. But um, after those short months, I realized that the relationship had dissolved, but I had this need to hold on tight, you know, whether it was looking on his Instagram or uh, sending a um text. Right. And I kept asking myself, I was like, why, why are you holding on so tight? And in that moment, I realized that I was holding on to this ghost and I decided to put that into movement. And I said, I'm going to make a piece about it because I was like, I need to get this off my chest. You know, um, this is going to be my therapy. So here it is. So I created that movement just from my personal experiences. And then from there, I just always realized that anytime that I choreograph, I want to make sure that it's honest and it's coming from a true, authentic state, if you may have it. Have you gotten feedback from others that they have resonated that your story, How to Kill a Ghost or Just Another Day, has resonated with them and they too have felt something like that? Oh, yeah. Like I get in conversations all the time where people are like, Jewel, I was with my girlfriend or my boyfriend and I and I had to let them go. And, you know, I was trying to hold on tight to them. So it always sparks a conversation. And it's, and I think when people kind of see like, yeah, this is what I'm going through too, it, it helps. And I think that's one of the good purpose that arts, that the arts do is it, it serves as a blueprint or some kind of catalyst where people can kind of see themselves or see their stories being portrayed out. So yeah, I've had some great feedback. It's interesting. Uh, you are our third dancer choreographer who's been on the show. We've had uh, Chantal Ashanti, 
from episode 52 and Jamie McRae from episode 130 who have used dance to express themselves and share stories and messages in such a way. What have you found about dance that it is that people can relate to it? I think one of the things about dance is that people are, are, are looking for something to feed their souls. Like mm. there's so much that's going on in the world. And like, sometimes people need like an outlet. Sometimes people can't get out there and, and, and be a part of like, you know, the solution or people get tired of turning on, on the news and seeing the same old stuff. And it's like, I need an outlet, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so dance is that force to say, Hey, you know what, let me take your mind off of it or let me inspire you or let me give you some food for thought. So people are like yearning and itching for that. And you've been true to that message of, of sharing your stories and the things you're passionate about throughout just your choreography, but also you brought it to the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. What was yeah. that like becoming a part of that dance theater? I actually um, was selected for the 2017-2018 uh, season. So I just choreographed a piece and they're actually touring with it. And oh, wow. it's the oh, wow. second company of Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. And the name of the piece is called Touch and Agree. And I choreographed that piece I actually choreographed it at North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, and, you know, that's when I kind of got like all my ideas. Um, I was a guest artist at the time. And one of my good friends, when I got the job to choreograph, they kind of reminded me, say, hey, you know what? You should bring that piece back. And I was like, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And that piece itself is just really everything about me. And it touches on the LGBT lens. Um, and I wanted to make people feel uncomfortable, but also celebrate who I am as an LGBTQIA person. When you're having that conversation, and, and that is now touring, right? Do you go with yeah. the tour or do you kind of stay back? How does that work? Oh, I wish I can go on tour. But <laughs> um, that would be so much fun because they travel a lot. Um, no, I just kind of see them if they're in Atlanta or if they come up to New York, that's when I get an opportunity to see the uh, piece. From what I've heard so far, like, you know, the feedback has been really, really nice. And um, I think the director had told me that he went somewhere. He felt like the demographic wasn't all the way cultured. But he said after they saw the piece, everybody loved it. So I was like, wow, that's super. That's amazing. Yeah, because if if like the average person who doesn't see dance at all and and for them to see like, oh, I'm going to watch this piece, you know, that really speaks a lot. So speaks to issues of today and to probably groups of people they're not comfortable with necessarily. Absolutely. And for but you to reach out to them like that is phenomenal. Yeah. And like, that's the whole point. Like, you know what I was saying? Like, you know, when dance really sparks a conversation and it sparks conversation outside the theater. Yeah. And, and I am curious and it's probably a large number of people that your work has inspired to become comfortable with themselves to, question themselves or just kind of be honest with themselves with the conversation you're having, you know, it's no one's business how one identifies with themselves, but it is important that one be honest with themselves at the same time. And so I I love that what your work is doing is sparking that conversation, whether it's externally or internally. Absolutely. That is the goal. And like, you know, that's something that I truly pride myself in. And I'm always trying to figure out what is going to be the next piece that I choreograph. Because it's like, you know, it's like I've had all these experiences and it's like so much more that I can really talk about. So 
yeah, so it's really good and it's really good just for like me and it kind of serves as a healing process as well too because a lot of people don't get to go to therapy all the time and Mm -hmm. sometimes that this this becomes very therapeutic for me as a choreographer so that's what i love most about this and this is what blows my mind is you're not going out there to try and change the world or anything like that this is raw truth honest you yes and by doing that you're still having an impact on society even if it's not intentional well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> because outside of that, you're also, you, you know, you don't stray away from political concepts or, yes. you know, what's happening in the world. Because you're right. You know, you turn on that TV, it's the same thing you see. I mean, because honestly, if I see some more negativity, I, I'd love to see positivity or just it's something a in a different, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's just a lot. And so for this to happen and then, you know, for you to have the experience of being on Jesus Christ Superstar... You know, people are like, hey, that Jewel guy, he does amazing things. Let me watch him here. And then wherever else you go. And it's like a ripple effect. But, you know, you're having these amazing experiences. Can you talk about how Jesus Christ Superstar came about? Did you audition? Did your friend call you? What, what happened? Sure. Um, well, the choreographer, Camille Brown, I actually danced with her company. And she was selected to choreograph. And she was so gracious to invite her company members to be a part of that experience. So I am forever grateful just for that. And so that's how we got the job. And we actually came in the week before the show aired. And that was our call for the dancers. And in that week, it felt like a whole year. (laughs) Oh, wow. And to walk into a, a beautiful set is so overwhelming, but it's also amazing that you have the cast who who is super supportive. Everybody was so supportive. And I think for me, probably the most rewarding things that I learned was the conversations outside of the set, you know, just actually sitting down and getting to know people and like, you know, where they come from and like, you know, their talent. So that was really rewarding for me. So in this experience, did you have any sense of what it would be like? I mean, you've done theater, you've done live dance, but this is a little bit different, maybe, or maybe it's not. Uh, Well, it kind of go hand in hand. But the thing about this is that it's live TV and, and it takes a lot of camera blocking. So a lot of times we would rehearse different scenes over and over just for like, you know, the camera blocking and, you know, it's like your normal rehearsal that you do, but it's just a little bit different because the entire world is actually looking at you. So there's a lot of different factors that really go in, you know, from the camera blocking, from the costumes, from, you know, trying things over and over just to make sure it's right. Because once you do go live, mm-hmm. it it felt like my heart was going to rip out of my out of my chest. Whoa. Because because the adrenaline is so high and it's like, oh my goodness, like if I mess up, this is going to go all around the world. <laughs> and so people are going to always go back to that same video over and over again, but right. You'd not. be viral. But those are just like the little tiny fears that you have in the back of your head, but it's a lot of moving parts. Let's talk about that a minute. How do you, how do you fight that fear? Because a lot of people will, would allow that to paralyze them. How did you get over it? You take the fear by the hand and you say, not today. Mm. You're not going to get me today. <laughs> <laughs> so you just kind of go for it. And, and I think the thing that helps, I think all of the performance is that everybody was so 
professional. And so you revert back to your professionalism and then you use all that. And then once you're in, in your zone, everything goes away. It's kind of like, okay, I'm here. The audience is here. The camera is here. Let's go. And so you just kind of just go for it. And then like everything that you know, everything that you've been working for for so long, those things come into play. What was it like after the airing? After you, you make it through, you've conquered the fear. It was a success. What was it like? I mean, you're still on the high, but at that moment, curtains closed. How'd you feel? You feel amazing. And the curtain is closed. The lights start to dim and you're still standing in the same spot saying, oh, my gosh, but <laughs> <laughs> what, what just happened? And, you know, I don't know. I think everybody was just I think we were just all really proud of ourselves. And I was just proud to be a part of something that was so monumental. And I do believe that, you know, we had a cast party and, you know, everybody had a good time. But the thing that kind of stuck with me is that it, it it pushes you to work hard and pushes you to want more. And I tell myself, like, it took a lot of courage for everybody to do that, to go live and to be flawless and to support each other was like amazing. So when the lights go down and when the curtain closes, it's, it kind of sitting those things in my mind saying, okay, you're going to go to the next thing and you're going to work super hard. This is like definitely your inspiration for that next project, teaching gig, whatever it may be. You're going to push yourself even, you know, like even further. So, so I'm not sure when you got your degree, when you started doing this full time dancing choreography, did you have a list of goals? Was was even performing live like this one of them or just a special bonus? You know, that's that that's a good question. I think. Well, now that I think, I know once I left school, I definitely wanted to dance with some companies. And I knew choreography was there. But in the back of my mind, I always said, ooh, I would love to be on TV one day. Mm. You know, and I think one of the people I wanted to dance background for was like, you know, Michael Jackson, of course. And like, probably Janet is up there too. But TV was on there. It was just was like, it wasn't at the top of the goals, but... I knew this year um, I actually made like a vision board and I actually put that on there and I was like commercials, TV, don't shy away from it. So that was on the top of my um, vision board goals for this year. How awesome is that? You create, you, you met that in like four months. I know. Right. I was like, <laughs> listen, I tell people all the time that a vision board works. Like it works. Like it could because it forces you to to say what you want every day. And I and I am a strong believer that you have to speak things into existence all the time. Well, you said something interesting, though. You know, TV commercial, don't shy away from it. Do you think you were shying away from it before? I think so, because I think I got a little too comfortable just as a concert dance performer and as a choreographer. And, you know, just like anybody else, you get kind of you doubt yourself. And I was like, I don't know, you know, if I could really do that. It's like that little voice in the back that says, I don't know. And then the other voice is like saying, you know what? You can do it. You just shine away from it. It's just one of those things when I said this year, I won't shy away from it because I think you have to do things that scare you in order to implement more growth, you know, just for me as an artist. And I knew that was one of the things that kind of scared me. And so when you're presented with this opportunity to be on it, it's like, wow, 
I've conquered one of my fears. Now, does that mean that if another opportunity comes up, you won't hesitate because now you've oh, been there, done that? I, oh, yes, absolutely. I'll be ready for it. <laughs> Let's go. Let's, Let's go. If anybody's <laughs> listening, Jules ready for, for Encore. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what else can we expect from you moving forward? Do you have other goals that you think, you know, aren't normally in your vicinity, but if you had pushed, maybe we could see it in the next year or two? I will always say that, you know, I'm, I'm walking in this lane that I've already created myself, whether it's choreography, teaching, performing, and also implementing uh, dance on film. So I think for me, it's about challenging myself and pushing myself to outshine a little bit better. So I'm, I'm, I'm in competition with myself. And I think one of the biggest things I really want to work on is just kind of develop my dance films a little bit more. Um, I haven't been really focusing on it too much, but it's, it's never left. It's just for me, just taking the time to kind of develop them um, even further. So that's one of the biggest things that I want to really work on a little bit more. And in addition to that, I have another piece um, that I choreographed on Dallas Black Dance Theater, which is called How to Kill a Ghost, which we talked about before. Right. Um, that's actually, they're doing that on tour as well. So I have a piece with Ailey and I have a piece with Dallas Black. Um, and so they both are touring. Um, I'm also going to be doing a lot of teaching this summer. And the one thing I do like about teaching, it, it inspires me to like push myself to do more choreography. And I also like working with the young people just, um, just to kind of give back and also really learn from them too. And so I'll be doing all those things. And in addition to dancing with Camille Brown and dancers uh, as well. So, yeah. You're in Atlanta. Yes, ma'am. You know, a lot of people find or have said, maybe in incorrectly, uh, I could be one of them, that most of the work is in New York or LA. Have you had any struggle with that? I mean, clearly you're working, but have you ever thought I need to move? You know, what's interesting is that I lived in New York for uh, about eight years. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason why I came back to Atlanta is because I wanted to kind of flush out my ideas as an independent artist. And yes, I could have did it up there, but I felt like returning home to my roots because I knew that the dance scene here was slowly but surely building. And I wanted to be a part of that. And for me personally, I haven't had any trouble because I've, I've, I've had really strong relationships to come back and forth. And so I think Atlanta is at that point now where there are many choreographers here. They are producing work. There are a lot of different films that are being produced here. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily have that problem, but I do know that it does happen. I think for me, it's just about re being very resourceful and, and using everything around you just to make sure that you can um, continue to make work for yourself. And even if nobody's calling you, you kind of create your own stuff. So do you think if, if someone is not in New York or L.A., like let's say there's someone in South Dakota or uh, <laughs> Texas that wants to dance, they can make that happen? They can make it happen, but it just depends on what their goals are. Like right. if there's somebody right. who is in South Dakota and they don't want to leave and they say, you know what, there's not, nothing really going on here. You have to create it. You have to create it. You have to create your own work and say, hey, I'm going to invite people. I'm going to shed this light on South Dakota so they can come and see my work. It just depends on the person. Look, I think for me, I'm just like a little busy bee. I'm always bouncing from New York to Atlanta. So in that pathway, I'm always trying to create work or I'm always getting work. So it's different for every artist. 
the one thing it sounds like is that you have to be resourceful. Yes, yes, indeed. That is the magic word. And use your resources around you. Get on people's nerves. <laughs> if, if you don't like something, change it. That's what I say. And I have to tell myself that too. Like, just change it. As a teacher, what are you seeing in this next generation of dancers that you would want to, this is, it comes up over and over again, and now is your chance to tell any future wannabe dancer, do this. What would you tell them? I would tell them to be extremely patient and stay inspired because with this new generation, sometimes I see a sense of entitlement mm. and they want it now and they want it fast. And also, I would tell them to surround yourself around teachers or inspirational teachers that are doing the work because that speaks volumes. And it and it for me, it sends signals to the student to say, hey, I can do this as a professional, because a lot of times you see these kids pay a lot of money for stuff mm -hmm. and they go to these institutions, but they don't really do anything after that. Do they expect something right after? Sometimes, sometimes mm. they do, but that's why they have to be extremely patient and just know patient and stay inspired. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but if you want a career in dance, you can have a career in dance and you can make a living in the dance world. Five years from now, where do you think we'll find you? Five years from now, you will probably find me still creating work, probably more exposure on TV, uh, building my profile even bigger than what it is, and still sharing my gift like I know how to. Jewel, I can't thank you enough for sharing your gift as you are right now, because I think what you're doing is helping make the world a better place and inspiring others with what you do. So th thank you. I mean, thank one day you. at a time. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And guys, that was Jewel Delane. He is doing some fantastic things, and I'm so happy for him. You guys can learn more about Jewel and find all the links we mentioned on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 144. That's episode 144. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.